Welcome to another episode of Small Talk, Small Government with Deb and Bill. Hey, Bill. Hello. We are on our sixth episode celebrating the half dozen. Yay. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think we've been doing a good job at kind of like having timely things come out. And this one is interesting to me that today we're going to be talking about Hunter's Laptop. And when we first started the project, we mentioned that, you know, this was one of the uncomfortable topics that was going to be covered. And it's funny that we've been kind of like almost ahead on a, on a few different topics that have come up so far. But mm-hmm. this one, we're right in the middle of, really, because I'm, I'm shocked that even the, uh, you know, the, the corporate media is talking about this now. And we'll get into a little bit of our you know, thoughts on why that could possibly be at this particular point that they're finally deciding to tell the truth. Yeah, after almost two years. Yeah, but, you know, they're not really telling the full truth because, of course, the way they frame it, you know, yeah, Hunter might have had a a few shady dealings, but, you know, nothing to see here when it comes to Joe. And so we're going to get into a little bit of how that probably, uh, and and in fact, there's no way that's true. The the laptop and, you know, all the correspondence on it, lots and lots of details show that there's plenty of tie-in, plenty of opportunity for him to have known, plenty of actual proven involvement that he had. So these are things that we're now finding out. So let's talk about what it is in general. So the laptop is is uh, one of three laptops uh, left at a Delaware computer repair shop in April of 2019. Um, it was allegedly left there by Hunter and then never picked up. And basically, I, the repair shop had some sort of an agreement with their customers that if you if you drop off something and never come back to pay for it and just leave it here, then it becomes our property. So mm-hmm. after several months, it became the property of the uh, of the repair shop. Mm-hmm. which is how we then found out about it. And it's interesting that um, I, I'm reading the book by Miranda Devine, The Laptop from Hell. Fantastic book, short and sweet, but incredibly dense. She also has a a series, a video series that, that can be found on this, um, which is really interesting as well. And it actually shows some of the video clips and things like that out oh, of the laptop. Yeah, I mean, he Hunter was very much into like prostitutes, drug use, stuff like that. And he had a real uh, strange knack for wanting to film himself doing an awful lot of things. Hmm. So it's quite a, it's quite a, uh, um, a documentary to see. Um, but Bit of an eye opener, it yeah, sounds like. Yeah, right. And she, she points out that uh, in the time frame of things, it happens to be that this laptop was left a month after Hunter ended his position on the board of Burisma. Um, Burisma, however we, we want to pronounce that. But so it, it almost is kind of like a speculation that could he have been resentful of severing ties with that, which was his last source of regular income, you know, and, and of course this book and his own book, which is, I think it's called like beautiful things, very mm-hmm. beautiful things, something like that kind of speaks a lot about the resentment that he had carrying so much for his family. So there's a lot of like nuances of relationship and stuff there that makes sense to me that it, it could very well have been that he's like, you know what, to hell with it. Here's my laptop. I'm leaving. I'm not coming back. I don't care. You know, people with drug problems can tend to be a little short sighted and things like that sometimes. Yeah. yeah but I mean, because it is nuts because just like you and, you know, we'll get into it a little later. It almost seemed entirely like 
too good to be true or too wild to believe. Yeah. All of a sudden, this guy just pops up on TV, and it's it was funny. We were talking uh, before we started recording. The guy shows up, and he's wearing a funny little, like, Scottish hat with a pom-pom ball on top. He He looks a little like a strange cartoon character guy that is the owner of this repair shop and right. you're thinking okay guy sure you've got hunter <laughs> biden's laptop i mean it was it was really wild to to think but i think that we we do know that the fbi left an evidence receipt with the guy and right. it has a, a case number and and it also indicates that there was already a case in the works before they even picked that laptop up right and well we don't know what case it was but we do know that that apparently there was a case of something against hunter at the time when they picked that up because they already had the case number established mm-hmm. like you say and that could be the tax case um, yeah. who was being investigated by that and this could have just been you know some evidence uh, but the important thing also with that with that number with that case number is that uh, Dan Bongino pointed it out that uh, that if you're an investigator you don't open a case number for anything because if you open a case number you got to do paperwork on mm-hmm. it nobody wants to just open case numbers all over the place and have to do endless amounts of paperwork so yeah. so if you're going to open a case number then you're going to you're going to follow up with that case and yeah. so it has to be important and i think the case number itself, if I remember correctly, had some sort of a coding on it, which which indicates uh, some sort of financial mm-hmm. money laundering or something like yeah. that. And, and that's important to know that this this was already at least, you know, Hunter was under investigation by, you know, for something, you know, whether it had been tax or whatever it was before, yeah. you know, and this was ongoing. And one of the one of the sources that we'll link in this episode that, you know, we're not going to be able to dig into it in depth because this is a really, that's a lot to get through that we have in front of us here. Yeah, but, and, um, and more coming out like all the time yeah, as I we're mean, talking. We'll yeah. probably end up having to do a follow-up or like a focused episode after this one on some of the general like corruption and conflicts of interest. But this Federalist article indicates these um, eight top Joe Biden scandals that this laptop pretty much substantiates. Number five on that list is the uh, Obiden, the the Obama Biden administration in in nor- ignoring the conflicts of interest and the fact that the intelligence company was briefed on yeah. this? So you know, well, water under the bridge. It's okay. <laughs> you know, just depends on who's in power. What's important? Yeah, exactly. And that's that's why this laptop is important. Is um is that, of course, Hunter's dad was the vice president at the time that this all went down. And obviously, he's now the the uh, president of the United States. Yeah. And uh, uh, he's always had, uh, you know, Joe Biden, that is, has always had positions of public trust and influence and has always been in the public eye, you know, for decades and decades. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a big potential for corruption and conflicts of interest there. Yeah. And so there's, there's a, you know, potential for influence as well. And that's one of the reasons that we talk so much about having term limits and things like that. You know, I mean, it's, you'd like to think that everybody that's in power and everybody that's supposed to be working for the people is, is doing it for all the best reasons. But Mm -hmm. when you are in power for damn near five decades, that's a lot of opportunity for you to be, uh, you know, um, corrupted, even if you didn't set out to be that way. But it's funny because when you look at Joe Biden's history, it kind of seems like he did get into it with that end goal in mind. The mm-hmm. book goes into it a little bit, and I mean, it, it's really, it's it's really sad and it's sick that um, you know Biden had just a history in Delaware of perfecting these crony politics. There's no way, according to what you can see in this laptop, 
that he, he can't act like he's ignorant or innocent about all these business dealings. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll point out just one um, interesting thing that I learned in this book that kind of shows a connection between, you know, your own personal interests and how that can end up affecting the whole country. This is a, a simple, uh, simple example, and I, I can't wait to do a follow-up. The more we talk here, the more I realize we're going to need one. But um, when Hunter finished law school, and that in itself has a history of, you know, did he really get in for merit or not? It's it's quite clear that he didn't get in for merit. You can look at the history and see, you know, who was on the board when he first got denied, who then ended up getting a better job, appointed by a Biden, mm-hmm. and and then ended up making it so that it kind of opened up a, a door for Hunter to get in there. But anyway, interesting I, 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 coincidences. Yeah, there. I'll, I digress with that. But so he finishes law school when At he Yale, finishes. I think it was right. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and um, he finishes and gets this job at MBNA, which was a Delaware credit card giant. That company also was Joe Biden's single largest campaign donor. But, you know, so MBNA was one of the companies that really wanted the Senate to pass the bill that made it a lot harder for consumers to file bankruptcy. And Joe Biden was on the floor fighting for that bill. Hmm. There was an interview with Tom Brokaw when he asked Joe Biden, in retrospect, was it inappropriate for someone like you in the middle of this to have your son collecting money from the big credit card company while you were on the floor protecting its interests? And of course, Joe, of course not. Nothing wrong with it at all. Uh, of course. You know, and he also states, oh, well, you know, that was a perfectly normal salary that he was getting for somebody in that area. Um, you know, even right out of law school, it was actually about $20,000 higher than most people would have been making at the time. And he really? had no experience. The, the man doesn't have a whole lot of aptitude. I'm sorry to say that, but you, know, you can check into it yourself. <laughs> but um, it's interesting. And then this is how it really, that's the kind of thing that in, in, ends up impacting us all. Um, Wenli Lee, who was an economist at the Federal Reserve um, Bank of Philadelphia, blamed the loss of that bankruptcy protection that he fought for for the sharp rise in home loan defaults and foreclosures that ultimately led to the financial crisis of 2008. Wow. This is why this stuff is important, you know, and you have to dig into understanding who's in bed with whom and how does it impact us all. These things, like, there's no innocence in this. It's just like all of it, it's just a snowball effect. Yeah, exactly. And um, it's it's surprising once you start to look at that, all the connections that, that can be made. And I mean, this is something that he was able to do as a senator in Delaware, you know what I mm-hmm. mean? And when you have that kind of propensity to, to make deals like that uh, without any thought of how it's impacting all the regular people. And mm-hmm. I mean, just imagine him taking that to the world stage. And that's pretty much what he did. So that's pretty you know, much that, where we are. Yeah. And that get, gets you back to the laptop. And that gets us back to the laptop. So what is on the laptop? Um, uh, you you alluded to a little bit um, a, a few minutes ago, but it basically contains all his emails, all his texts, and um, all kinds of explicit photos that um, that are kind of scary, apparently. Yeah. Um, and it's more or less a chronicle of his of his uh, life, uh, you know, personal and professional interactions, all his you know business and personal texts and business and personal emails. So it's there's there's a ton of stuff out there. Uh, we were told from the beginning that uh, you know this is you know just Russian disinformation and all like that. The, um, the, the easy catch all excuse. Yeah, the easy catch all excuse. Mm-hmm. So so there's been a bunch of people trying to confirm its authenticity, and uh, there's a new book uh, by uh, Ben Schreckinger 
Um, it's called The Bidens, Inside the First Family's 50-Year Rise to Power. And it asserts that at least two emails are real that, that he's been able to verify. Uh, there's emails released by the Swedish embassy that match those on the laptop, uh, because apparently there was a, uh, a scuffle that Hunter was invo- involved in. Uh, Director of National Intelligence John Radcliffe said on... Um, October the 19th of 2020, that uh, there's no evidence to support Russian dis- disinformation campaign narrative. And um, a few days later, the FBI supported this conclusion and confirmed that they had possession of the laptop. And wow. you might remember uh, Tony Bobolinsky, uh, you mentioned him, and um, he says that the emails are real. And he was the um, uh, CEO of a holding company called um, Sinohawk Holdings. Um, that was kind of the go between between uh, a uh, the Chinese company CEFC and the Biden family. And yeah, we've got a lot of details on that coming up. Yeah, that company's a big mess. Uh, we'll talk about that here in a few minutes. But Tucker actually interviewed Tony Bobolinsky on October twenty seventh, twenty twenty. Yeah, um, he was a guy that you know he seems like he got involved in this and then realized, oh damn, this is uh, deep and scary and bad. And then that's when yep. he kind of came forward with it. And and he was another one that was just completely discredited in the in the ma- mainstream media right 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 uh, and speaking of the mainstream media mm-hmm. or the or the uh, uh, the corporate media there was uh, a cover-up in a, mm-hmm. in a media blackout that you might remember uh, the New York Post first reported on this on um, October 14th of 2020 mm-hmm. and uh, just uh, what a week and a half ago or so the New York Times confirmed Finally. its authenticity yeah and I mean that just blew my mind when that happened when you look at the date there 10 you know October 14th 2020 you know we we're three weeks out from the in, in the election you mm-hmm. know and I'm sitting here of course you know like I, I knew a little bit of history about this anyhow, and like no, nothing really surprised me. It, I believed that the Biden family was no good, Obama's <laughs> no good, Hillary's no good. That all came to started to become clear to me over the past you know four or five six years, and yeah. and even I'm late to the party. Lots of people have known this for twenty years, you know. But um, it, it's interesting, and I'm like, oh yes, surely they're going to come out with this, and people are going to realize that it's been, you know, we've been fed lies, and this is the establishment. We need to, you know, keep them out of there. Vote Trump back in, and, and I mean, that's what yeah. I was thinking at the time. And then just, you know, nope, Russia, go to bed. Yeah, that's pretty much that's pretty much what happened. Yeah. Uh, Facebook and Twitter and others restricted postings about the laptop. While it was, you know, air quotes, investigating whether yeah. it was disinformation. Yeah, sorry, we, you can't know anything about it yet. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, obviously, uh, we'll only know if we get the inside information mm-hmm. on that. But I kind of have the suspicion they were just kind of, you know, swept that under the rug. Yeah. Um, and we, obviously, we were told it was Russian disinformation. People were kicked off social media sites. NPR refused to, to report on it. They mm-hmm. said, you know, we'll report on actual news. Mm-hmm. Um, I paraphrase there, but that's basically what, what they said. And really no one except conservative sites would talk about it, you know, assuming they weren't banned. Yeah, yeah. But but the thing is, is that Russia or that um, the Russian narrative was convenient in its timing uh, because Facebook and Twitter were starting to get heat for, for, you know, holding the information and refusing to let people report on it. Mm-hmm. And people were like, why? Why are you uh, why are you holding this? And then. Uh, great timing. 51 former national security officials, including five former directors of the CIA, mm-hmm. uh, penned a letter on October 19th 
Um, keeping in mind, this is less than a week after the uh, New York Post reported on mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. Let's hurry up and cover it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they said it uh, has all the classic earmarks of Russian disinformation campaign. Yeah, it's it's so it's just tiresome. The the Russian thing, just like you know, oh, recently is. when they're like you know, and and it it would be just like Russia. To do something and then blame others for it. Would it be just <laughs> like Russia? Like, please. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, it's, continue. It's, oh, no. You're good. It, it's, 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 it's exasperating. It's the same, yeah, it's the same, it's the same narrative all the time. It I mean, seems it's like, like, it's like, a, it's like, you know, are we children with the way they expect us to believe this ridiculous crap? So, yeah. But they provided no evidence of the um, Russian disinformation campaign. Um, they probably never even read the emails. I'm sure they never read the mm-hmm. emails or looked at the laptop or did any of their own investigation. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, there's, it's a pretty short letter. I mean, it takes, you know, literally two minutes to read it. I think it's less than two pages. Um, we'll have a link to that. You can read it yourself. But mm-hmm. there's a, there's a phrase right in the middle of it um, that says, quote, we want to emphasize that we do not know if the emails provided to the New York Post by President Trump's personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani, are genuine or not, and that we do not have evidence of Russian involvement. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah, just that our experience makes us deeply suspicious that the Russian government played a significant role in this case. If we are right, this is mm-hmm. Russia trying to influence how Americans vote in the in the election, and we believe strongly that Americans need to be aware of this. It's sick. Yeah. It's sick to read that in retrospect. I mean, and, and that's mm-hmm. an acceptable, uh, that is an acceptable um, correspondence and position of our national security officials. Yeah, fifty-one of them. Yeah, <laughs> and but if you notice, uh, they use you know non-committal phrases like "if we're right" mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they have appeals to authority like "we mm-hmm, fought the mm-hmm. Russians." And of course, keeping in mind that over years, you know, they had ginned up so much public mistrust and 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 you know constantly dividing the people about, you know, orange man, bad, Trump's bad, this and the Russia is all for Trump, which now you can clearly see is not the case. Yeah. You know, but it it was, this is the kind of thing where it's, it's almost sad because you realize that probably a big chunk of the American public would have agreed with it. Right. You know, and and that's, what's so sad is what, what they have done to us. And that's part of the, that's part of the issue with these people penning this is that for the ordinary people, uh, the intelligence community, especially the CIA, mm-hmm. it, you know, putting out statements like this give full credibility to the narrative because uh, yeah. a lot of people believe they just you know, believe it, and that, it's that's, a powerful yes, organization. Exactly, and they wouldn't say that. That would never happen. This is America. We don't have corrupt internal agencies turning oh, no. on political opponents. And and this ties back to um, you know a couple episodes ago when we talked about Spygate. Um, Remember, the the CIA director, Brennan, told Obama that the Clinton campaign would use Russian disinformation to smear Trump mm-hmm. and then aided the Clinton campaign instead of objectively investigating their claims. So it's, you yeah. know, it's more, it's more, uh, more biased. Mm-hmm. And there. quick update on that. Didn't that campaign just have to pay out a whole bunch of money because they were found to be guilty in at least one part of the lawsuit that's been brought? Yeah, it's like almost $120,000. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a little something. It's a little I mean, something, it's, yeah. the, the point of it is it happened and yeah. now they're being held accountable for it. So, right. yep. So there's a bit of an update there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you were talking about the, uh, uh, the people you know, being aware of this and maybe changing their votes. Mm-hmm. But a uh, couple of weeks ago, Rasmussen had a poll uh, conducted on uh, March 21st and 22nd 
of uh, 2022 that said that 66% of those polled think that the laptop is important. And 65% think that Joe Biden was consulted about and might have profited from Hunter's business dealings. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And Mm -hmm. 48% thought that Trump would have won if the laptop had been reported during the election. Right. Now, interestingly, MRC um, conducted an online poll of 1,750 people um, I think just after the election, November mm-hmm. 9th to 18th of 2020. And uh, 40% of Democratic voters knew about the investigation into hunt, into the Bidens in general. Mm-hmm. And 17% of them said that uh, they would not have voted for Biden had they known about the laptop, which is kind of significant because that would that's more mm-hmm. than the margin of victory. So that could have that could have swung the election yeah. if uh, if people had actually been aware of this. Yeah. So it's, it seems like a quite a deliberate uh, cover up. It sure seems like yeah. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, but that's this laptop is not the only one he's lost. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we know of at least two, maybe three of them that he's lost. Um, he did re- misplace another laptop at um, the office of Dr. Keith Ablo, uh, who's a psychiatrist. And uh, Hunter said at the time, and I quote, I wasn't keeping tabs of of my possessions very well for about a four-year period of time. Yeah. Which seems... Yeah. Uh, seems like a pretty good admission there. Yeah, and it's it's really, it's it's sad. This definitely, you know, again, if you look into the history of Joe Biden, he had every intention his entire time in public office that he would be using it to enrich his, his own family. Mm-hmm. This is the reason that people like him, various others, you know, Trudeau, for instance, these guys, they have a an affinity and a... a, a um, a soft spot for and 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 almost an envy for the way the Chinese Communist Party does things. They have these you know oligarch families that rise yeah. to power and they all lean on each other and it's it's a sick incestuous money grab all the time. But you know and and Hunter, it's sad because all the problems that he had, you know, this crazy drug and drug fueled lifestyle and all the really sick. You know, depraved morality kind of ways that he was and everything. Mm-hmm. And for Biden, his father, to keep putting him in the positions of these massive amounts of money and all of this, you know, quote, responsibility for different things and all this, you know, access to just every door opening for him and all. Mm-hmm. It's just insane. And like that is what entitlement looks like. Yeah. That is what privilege looks like. And it's it's irritating to, again, regular people like us to hear about privilege. <laughs> yeah. And when you see that it's coming from people like this who are like speaking down to us from podiums about our privilege and what we need to give up and do more of and all that kind of thing, it's just it, the whole thing makes me sick. But I, I just, I, you know, you can't help but say this is clearly somebody that's got a problem. Yeah. You know. Right. And it had impacts for sure. I mean, you can't just feel sorry for him because it's, he's he's unfortunately a very lofty uh, guy, mm-hmm. whether he deserved it or not. And that did have impacts on our foreign policy and really did affect our national security. But the impact that having someone like Hunter at the helm for these things and, and even the, the impact of Joe Biden using his family at all for this shows us that U.S. officials can be bought, whether directly or indirectly, by foreign influence. And because there are so many foreign nations around the world that do find this to be an acceptable way to do business and run things, they smelled it right away Mm -hmm. with the Bidens. 
And it makes me want to go back to something that was in this book that we do know about from, from other sources as well. Uh, when Hunter took the trip with his father in 2013 on Air Force Two to Beijing, this was a clear sign to the Chinese Communist Party that he was now going to be part of the game. Hunter would be part of the game. This is the way China is known to do business. And they do it through what they call princelings. And those are people who are anointed as proxy messenger or like, you know, bagman for a powerful family member. And it's interesting. I heard on, um, I think it was a discussion on China Unscripted um, a couple, I guess it has been a couple of years ago, sometime just before the election that they said, um, they said there's no way that Joe couldn't have known something. So he's either you know, blatantly, willfully ignorant, mm -hmm. or he's lying about not knowing what his, what his son yeah, did. Yeah, this is not just taking his son on a trip and then saying, here's a few bucks, son, run around town, have fun. Yeah, yeah, go I'll see the Great Wall of China. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's not what this was. So in, in 2021, Forbes reported that there are 626 Chinese billionaires with a collective net worth of two and a half trillion. And that figure didn't include the enormous concealed wealth of all the princelings, which they've gained corruptly or quasi-legally. Credit Suisse estimates, uh, estimated in 2014 that those hidden riches stashed in tax havens all over, such as places like the British Virgin Islands, Cayman Islands, amounted to $1.4 which is like 30% of China's GDP. Wow. So again, you know, but like Biden, he is making the biggest tax hikes in history right now on regular people. Mm. This is the kind of thing that his family is involved in, though. And we know that Hunter is being investigated for tax, yeah. uh, uh, tax evasion and different things. Again, it, it just sickens you to know Everything that they do, they blame and point the finger to other people and accuse other people of doing those very things. So anyhow, in, in addition to go, going back to that trip to Beijing, we all know that Joe brags all the time about his relationship with uh, Xi Jinping. Mm -hmm. um, he was tasked back in 2013 during that trip to persuade China to stop stealing intellectual property and to stop militarizing the islands in the Ch South China Sea. He left China after that trip with nothing, no deal. But Hunter left that trip with his first big deal, which was the Bohai Harvest Rosemont Investment Partnership. And that was, um, that's an acronym BHR. That was signed 12 days after that arrival on Air Force Two. Hmm. And we, within months after that, China increased the militarization in the South China Sea, constructing military staging to control it and threatened America's allies. Well, that's interesting because that, uh, that's been an ongoing conflict, um, an escalating conflict ever since then, yep. right up right up till today. Yep. And, you know, in, in 2019, BHR had $2.5 billion in funds under management, according to the laptop. And as of July 2021, despite saying he would divest himself of shareholding when his father took office, Hunter still owned 10%. Which so. is, that's still a, a, um, a fair piece right there. Yeah. So, you know, a little bit more on the, the, the corruption and the, the relationships and all of this impact. Um, in, in 2017, Hunter met with Zhang Jinjun, which he's a high-ranking official of the CCP, met with him in Manhattan to sign this deal. Tony Bawalinski was there. Emails on the lap laptop do substantiate that. 
And Bobolinsky goes into detail about this tantrum Hunter had about, quote, not being paid for all the work his family had done over the last couple of years around the world and said, you know, we're owed $20 million. And at the time, Hunter's life is like falling apart. He's been, he's gotten divorced. He's got these huge alimony payments. His drug problem is worsening, needs money for that. And by this point, Joe was out of office, so he's ready to collect. The work he was referring to having been done since 2015 by Biden's was done with CEFC, which is like, they they call it the capitalist arm of Xi Jinping's initiative to, quote, export Chinese influence around the world. Hmm. That's an interesting organization to be tied up in there. Very. And so this Zhang Jinjiang, who he's meeting with at this time, was a director on that company and was part of uh, setting up a lot of business deals in Georgia, Oman, Ukraine, Romania, to name a few. And one of the most disturbing deals, um, again, that just drives you crazy with the sickness and hypocrisy of it all, was done in Angola, which is about one of the poorest and most corrupt countries that there is. Their forests are plundered by uh, illegal logging done by these Chinese companies. Where is the environmentalist outrage with that? You've got, you know, people that'll flip out about the the Green Deal and, uh, you know, the planet and all this, and this is going on. So the deal that they showed up to sign together was said to be a two-year agreement with the Biden family and Zhang Xinjiang. Within months, Zhang would then be meeting personally with Vladimir Putin to negotiate China's biggest investment in Russia on behalf of President Xi. So this pretty much put mm-hmm. that company, CEFC, at the center of a shift in Sino-Russian relations, and that has a profound national security implication for the U.S. There's some there's some pretty big connections there, and again, more stuff that's happening today. You yeah. know, the, with the uh, conflict in Ukraine, then China and Russia are are uh, kind of teaming up. So yeah. So you know, during this this tantrum that, that he had, uh, Bobolinsky noted that one of the project managers present, whose name is James Gillier. Uh, said Hunter's going to have to stop pulling these unprofessional stunts like that because it makes all of the U.S. partners uncomfortable. So there's a whole chapter in the book that I'm reading that goes through Hunter's erratic behavior at this time that he shows up in Manhattan to sign this deal. There's like, you know, a couple of weeks that they're vacationing and partying or whatever, you know, that Mm -hmm. that they've been waiting to, to sign this deal. Uh, and he's just nuts. He He's like not showing up to some of the meetings that he's supposed to, really being erratic, having these tantrums, blowing up at this this man. Wow. And so Bobolinsky's worried about this because, again, like I said, he was a half regular guy yeah. that maybe found himself in, in the center of this deal. And he's like, wait a minute. He was the CEO of Sinohawk and a managing member of Oneida. And he decided that, he, you know, in order to try and temper this issue – he set up the board of Oneida in uh, an unequal voting manner that gave him three votes to the Bidens, four votes. But each Biden family member, Joe, Jim, Hunter, and I think, uh, was it Frank or there was another, um, they they each got just one. Uh, so, okay. it, yeah, I mean, it set up the Biden block, as they called it, but mm-hmm. it made it so that it wasn't Hunter that had this, you know, like a major stake in it. So Hunter, of course, was completely upset about that. He's like, you know what, we'll talk about this with Zhang directly because you're going to find out that what he really wants to do business with is the Biden name, and I'm sure he's going to see things my way. And he's blowing up with Tony Bobolinsky oh, wow. about all that stuff. Yeah. And so ultimately, and this will get us into Burisma, 
Um, Bobolinsky met with Zhang by himself without Hunter having an opportunity to go into that little fit mm-hmm. because um, it, the meeting happened to be scheduled at the same time that Hunter was supposed to be in Monte Carlo um, meeting with the board of Burisma. Oh, wow. Yeah. And Burisma, um, interestingly enough, there's there's more connections in Burisma. Uh, Burisma was owned by an oligarch uh, named Kolomoisky. And uh, he was part of the uh, the Obama-installed Ukrainian government in uh, March of 2014. Mm. Uh, there was a coup uh, that's believed to be perpetrated by the Obama administration. Um, earlier than that, everybody got kicked out. Um, and what was installed is a U.S.-friendly um, uh, government there. And, and Kolomoisky was part of that. Uh, kind of almost behind the scenes. It, it, I mean, it's, you almost need to let that sink in. Yeah. And, and and he's the actual owner of Burisma. There's a CEO who was um, who was credited as being being the owner, but he's not really the owner. It was Kolomoisky who and, was the owner. And let me make sure I understand that. Like we, the U.S., the Obama administration, inserted that government. Yep. And and this I mean, this, yeah, all, this I, oligarch is is bankrolling. He's a billionaire. He's bankrolling all kinds of stuff. Interestingly enough, uh, there's a a guy you might have heard of a a, a guy named Zelensky. Mm-hmm. Um, he he actually was producing content for One Plus One Media Group, which is owned by Kolomoisky, and um, and later he uh, uh, Zelensky that is played the president in a TV show called The Servant of the People. And uh, it was suspiciously highly promoted in Ukraine. It was it was very popular. And after he was done with that series, then he just kind of continued on and ran for president. And he's the president of Ukraine. And Zelomoisky has has uh, sent uh, sent his own personal bodyguards and chauffeurs to drive uh, um, uh, drive Zelensky around during his campaign and everything. So there's some. You know, there's some influence there. And Zolomoisky is also uh, bankrolled the uh, the Azov Battalion, which is a neo-Nazi fighting battalion um, in Ukraine right now, fighting the fighting the conflict. So he's that's kind of a little bit of, of who actually owns Burisma, who was basically, uh, <laughs> I guess, Hunter's boss mm-hmm. for uh, for a time. Wow. Uh, so there's there's some that's connections stunning. there as well. And um, uh, Hunter actually uh, joined the Burisma board of directors. Um, oh, there's a press release on uh, May the 12th of 2014, which is only a couple of months after uh, Zolomoisky, um became part of the new Ukrainian government. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, there was a... Um, uh, there was a uh, press release that was uh, that was released at that time, and and it said that uh, Hunter will be in charge of the holdings legal unit and will provide support for the company among international organizations. Um, on on his new appointment, he commented that Burisma's track record of innovations and industry leadership in the field of natural gas means that it, it can be a strong driver of a strong economy in Ukraine. And um, I think he was he used his his Yale Law um, degree and mm-hmm. um, 
legal experience basically to to join the board as a as a legal advisor. Mm-hmm. So that's technically what he was in charge of there at Burisma. Ah. Getting what did what did he get like eighty thousand dollars a month or yes, something like yes, that? Yes, yes, he did eighty eighty five thousand almost. I think it was yeah. yeah it's yep. it's absolutely crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's more connections. So you've, we've heard about the Ukrainian uh, labs that um, mm-hmm. uh, that are well in Ukraine to to do something. Mm-hmm. Nobody's confirmed what they're there to do, but. Uh, but yeah, there was there one were, of the interesting things, you know, not to cut you off, but I, I don't think we've said it any other time. That eighty-five thousand mm-hmm. dollars is what he got while his father was in office, but just a few months after his father wasn't in office anymore, it was cut in half. Ah, uh, that's interesting. Yeah, so that's some it, it, that's some interesting timing right that there. That tells you that you know, oh, okay, well, it was because your father was in office. It's it's not really you know your legal acumen or any, yeah. any of that. So yeah. <laughs> Hmm. So they're just they're paying for the name is yep. what they're what yeah. they're paying for. Uh, but the connection to the Ukrainian labs is interesting as well. Uh, there's an investment firm that was run by Hunter called Rosemont Seneca Partners, which I think we've mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, that gave uh, five hundred thousand dollars to Metobiota, um, and it also raised millions through other firms. And Hunter introduced Metobiota, which is a I think a San Francisco based. Um, consultancy firm for mm-hmm. for science um he introduced them to burisma and called it a science project at yeah. the biolabs in ukraine the biolabs in ukraine yeah. yeah and then metabiota uh vice president uh, mary gutieri uh emailed hunter in april of 2014 and said um uh quote as i promised i've prepared the attached memo which provides an overview of metabiota our engagement in Ukraine, and how we can potentially leverage our team, networks, and concepts to assert Ukraine's cultural and economic independence from Russia and continued integration into the Western society. Mm-hmm. But then, a few days later, uh, Burisma executive um, asked Hunter, um, as I understand, the Metabiota was a subcontract to principal contractor of the DOD, uh, BNV, which is uh, Black and Vetch. Uh, what kind of partnership is Metabiota looking for in Ukraine? Mm-hmm. So um, BNV um, had actually been commissioned in 2010 by the uh, Defense Threat Reduction Agency, um, a U.S. organization, to build a lab in Odessa to enhance the government's existing surveillance systems to detect, report, and respond to bioterrorism attacks, yeah. epidemics, and potential pandemics. I see. Uh, so that's that's another connection there. Yeah, and the U.S. actually, uh-huh. yeah, in 2010. Yeah, and uh, the U.S. actually awarded uh, 23.9 million to Metabiota later in 2014, with 307,091 dollars allocated for Ukrainian research projects, mm-hmm. which is uh, uh, which is you know pretty open ended. Which is pretty open ended, yeah. right there. So there's. Um, so there's some there's some connections right there to um uh, to all the stuff wonder, that's like, happening what nowadays. What the heck was going on during yep. those couple of terms? <laughs> you know, you and, gotta and, wonder. and yeah, and why? It, it's just you know, and I mean, we're gonna have to dig into Ukraine at length in a in a future episode. We're just waiting for this conflict to kind of you know become a little bit clearer because, of course, it's 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 a terrible thing that's going on. You don't want to um, you know get into it when it's not the right time, but. 
boy, oh boy. So we say, hey, Ukraine, get mm-hmm. rid of your weapons. We're going to protect you. Everything's going to be fine. By the way, we're also going to start using your land as a complete playground for like money laundering, yep. corrupt operations, scary science stuff. Mm-hmm. Got to put some neo-Nazis in there. Yep. By the way, we're going to change your government out for you. These are, you know, oh, yeah, it's yeah. like, it's like, it just, it never ends. It I never mean, ends. Yeah, It's and, insane. Yeah, Ukraine certainly isn't a, uh, any kind of, um, well, it's a it's a, a known corrupt organ or a known corrupt country, and a lot of people besides the Bidens mm-hmm. use that as their playground. And, yeah, and and that's going to be and it's a, it's a it's a terrible shame because there are regular people there. Yeah, you know, it's just it's it's really ordinary people just trying to make a living. Yeah, and, I mean, I was just on Etsy today looking mm-hmm. for something, and I I bought a couple of extra things from a Ukrainian you know little a little small business over there, yeah. and they said you know please note that it's going to take a few extra weeks <laughs> because of the conflict. That's okay. You know what? Quantity two. I'll just get two of them. I'll double it up for the year. Because I feel, you know, it's just terrible. Yeah, the people over there. But but that's a, that's a, uh, I think that's a whole nother episode we're going to have to cover. Right. So, so the long and short of this is that the son of the then current vice president was given a position on a known corrupt Ukrainian energy company's board. He shared bank accounts with his father. Mm-hmm. Uh, he invested in a company that contracted with BNV, both of which work in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is this is the very company that his father was the expert on because he kept going over mm-hmm. there, like you say, mm-hmm. you know, he'd uh, try to manage stuff and everything. So there's uh, there's all kinds of the of expert. corruption. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think I'd mentioned that uh, before that Hunter and his father. Uh, shared bank accounts. So I think that's something that came out in the summer of 2021. That yeah. that they shared they shared bank accounts. They pay each other's bills. And beyond sharing bank accounts, let's also not forget about some of the other uh, emails and text messages that uh, that we learned out of this laptop. Like Hunter doing side deals when he was working with CEFC, and he also sent an email to the property owner of the Georgetown. Uh, office where he worked, uh, wanting to change the office sign to include CEFC. Uh, so it would be the Biden family CEFC offices. And uh, he also tried to get spare keys for his dad, Joe. And there was also some emails he received uh, from uh, some Chinese uh, friends of his, I guess you could call them, uh, thanking Hunter for introducing them to Joe. There are some unhinged text messages he sent to family, uh, basically implying he's stressed out by all this work having to uh, make money for the family. And of course, let's not forget the famous uh, uh, email he received that uh, indicated that um, uh, there was uh, 10% to be held by H for the big guy. So there's another thing that, um, uh, like you were talking about, mm-hmm. where where Joe would would um, obviously know what his son's doing. If they're sharing bank accounts, they're uh, they're sharing money. Then yeah. you'd think that 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 yeah, he uh, knows he'd what he's know. doing. He's taking him on trips to meet with uh, you know leaders around the world, right? Getting business deals together. Obviously, this is happening. And one of the things that you know, when you get into uh, Burisma and and all of the the kind of cover up and all that stuff. Let's not forget about Joe Biden being seen on camera and he brags about mm-hmm. having thrown out or uh, removed from power the um, the investigator that was investigating Burisma in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Again, you know, he's such the expert on it. Um, so I, and I, I'm going to, you know, look at this directly out of the book here. Basically, Burisma was being investigated 
the the Burisma board, you know, the CEO and the owners and everybody else kept on pressuring Hunter and saying, you know, you've got to help us get this guy off our back. This is mm. crazy. You know, help us, help us use your influence. And as the Ukrainian prosecutors probe into it gathered pace toward the end of 2015, they're ratcheting up all this pressure on Hunter and Devin Archer was the other uh, oh, counterpart okay. with, with Hunter at that time to close down this criminal investigation. The very next month... Joe Biden flew into Kiev and again addressed the Ukrainian parliament. And, 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 you know, and this was something that's televised, of course. He is, you know, out there as the U.S. vice president, expert on Ukraine, mm-hmm. you know, slamming his finger down on the desk, talking about the cancer of corruption in this country and all this stuff. And it did all on the world stage for us all to see as yep. if he's doing the right thing in Ukraine. But behind the scenes during that that meeting, that time that he was there, that's when he was. Uh, pressuring Poroshenko to fire the prosecutor, General Shokin was his name, and the U.S. was going to be giving Ukraine a whole bunch of aid money. And Joe Biden said, you get that guy off the investigation Mm. of Burisma, or you're not going to get this money that we have promised you. And famously in the interview, what does he say? Well, son of a bitch. By the end (laughs) of the day, he, you know, all of a sudden he doesn't have a job anymore. So (laughs) this is a problem. This is a problem. And let's not forget that this man, Joe Biden, is seen on camera doing this. There's no denying it. There's no two ways about it. What happened? And didn't they impeach Trump for that same kind of activity, which wasn't actually true, never happened that yeah. he used any influence to make a to, to make a change like that. That yeah. was one of what one of his impeachments was all about. Yeah, I think that was uh, he he well he called up Zelensky and said, "Hey, congratulations on uh, becoming president." And mm-hmm. while you're at it, take a look into some corruption. Yeah, and and that was seen as a, how dare you use your influence, and we're going to have to you know. <laughs> so okay, meanwhile, but it's just it's just it's sick, mm-hmm. and I'm like just flabbergasted by the amount of stuff that's been going on that we didn't know. Right. Exactly. Exactly, and and which kind of brings us to to thinking about why now? Why mm-hmm. after a year and a half is this coming out? And um, we can only speculate. You know, maybe something is going on. Uh, maybe something's going to happen, and all the media is trying to get ahead of it. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they're trying to explain it away. Maybe it's uh, you know, see, we told you so. Um, it's just a nothing burger. We're totally yeah. <laughs> trying to censor that. We weren't trying to totally censor this, uh, you know, for the past year and a half. You know, yeah. we're reporting on it. Um, maybe they know something that, that's coming out and they're, and, and they're starting to do damage control right now mm-hmm. and, and, you know, trying to get ahead of that. Uh, there could be an indictment to, yeah. uh, for Hunter. And if, if, um, if he is indicted, um, there's a possibility of, you know, maybe he'll be the sacrificial lamb in the, in the Biden family corruption. You know, just throw him to the wolves and Which say, well, you know, it's, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. we didn't know anything about that. It was all Hunter's Yeah, dealing. what a shame. And, yeah, I mean, and it's just... Joe gets away with it uh, scot-free. Mm-hmm. Um, but either way, the media is now shown to be on top of it because they've been reporting on this. Yeah. And, and it's all breaking news and everything. Yeah, and I mean, like, please tell me that the majority of people who turn on their televisions and watch this bullshit, excuse me, I'm sorry, but I mean, please tell me that the, the, the people are thinking... Wait a minute. And I mean, I hope it's opening some eyes because that's that's the part of it that astounds me is, you know, uh, do people not make these connections and think about the implications that this stuff has? I mean, would you 
Would you have voted this man into power if you had known that our security and interests abroad were going to be his personal interests and piggy banks and all that? I mean, it makes you understand why. Why won't he take a stance on anything with Russia or anything mm-hmm. with China? Why aren't we going to work with China to look into the virus? That if people can make that connection in their minds, they would understand, wow, you know what? The the, the corporate media has really done us a disservice. Yeah. And in addition to that, indeed, it is true that our agencies have been turned against us. You know, yeah, exactly. I mean, even Vladimir Putin has been on record saying, you know what? The CIA does not work for the American people. <laughs> They are not out there doing things that, that are really protecting the American people. So much is completely politicized. And unfortunately, the left has just uh, sullied the hell out of everything as far as I'm concerned. It, it, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, I agree. And um, that's, that's perhaps why I was suspicious of this right at the start is um, it not when we started to um, to research this. But, you know, back in 2020, mm-hmm. I was kind of suspicious of this because it it seemed like it was too good to be true. It confirmed the things that we thought about, that we'd heard about, the rumors we'd heard about, mm-hmm. about uh, about corruption in the Biden family and everything mm-hmm. like that. And, and, and then suddenly, bam, there's this laptop with all mm-hmm. his emails, and all mm-hmm. his texts and all kinds of photos and all kinds of information. Yeah. Like, wait a minute, this... There, there's got to be a catch here, and and I thought, you know, still this is this is still kind of suspicious and and everything. It's still too good to be true, and of course, uh, Rudy Giuliani was the face for the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And I like Rudy as a uh, you know a prosecutor. I think mm-hmm. he's done some great stuff, especially in New York City, and, yeah. and as mayor and everything like that. Not really, in my opinion, the best uh, PR guy. Yeah, it's um, yeah, yeah. There were there were some things like that that came together. You know, not exactly in the in the best light. It's yeah. you know, we we don't always have the shiny. Hey, this guy played a a um a, a PR guy on TV, and now he is one. Like like in yeah yeah, and so so that was kind of my suspicion. Like oh great, Rudy's glam. yeah, Rudy's in charge of this whole thing. He's the he's the face of this. Uh, like oh yeah, this I don't know about this, but. But then you start to look into it, and, and after a short period of time, it turned out to be true. Yeah. The, the the emails uh, were verified, uh, you know, back in 2020, 2021, you know, mm-hmm. uh, more than a year ago. And then I was like, well, you know, maybe this thing yeah. is, is actually true. But so it's it's interesting because it makes you think, you know, how much have we been lied to? What is the reason for all of this lying to us? I mean, in my opinion, it's to take down America as the world power mm-hmm. that we are, and and it's it's to usher in communism, socialism, the whole nine yards. You know, I I don't have a whole lot of faith in this administration to do anything good for us at all. I think that if they finish their term, we're going to be a completely different country by the end of end end of this four year term. I don't see it finishing. Yeah. I do not see it finishing. Again, it's an election year. I hope to God that we will change a few minds with this, you know, opening up to our friends that we know aren't in the know of a lot of this stuff. They haven't been following it, you know, and 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 there's a lot of people that don't, but that is my goal with all of it because we have to clean this up and get these folks out of here. We do. We do. So, and with that, I think that's the end of this very dense episode and stay informed, be empowered. The government is best when it's small. 